Welcome to Sports and Jorts with your hosts, Grant Mandato and Joshua Lair. A man walks down the street, he says, why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention and all my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model is gone? Back down the alley with some roly-poly little bat-faced girl All along, along, there were incidents and accidents There were hints and allegations If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal I can call you Betty, and Betty, when you call me Josh, where have you been? Grant, it's been like three and a half months, man. You've been missing. Am I it? I've been recording so many on my own, and I listen to it, and it's just not good content because I'm missing you. Well, I know. You're missing the better part of this podcast. Missing you. I'm missing... No, that's how the song goes. I don't know what you're doing. That song, Missing You, and I'm missing you. And uh, this, I don't know, I'll dump it over and talk to you right now. Uh, no, but you've been on a boycott of this podcast for about two months. That is not true at all. You quote, quote said, I am boycotting sports and jorts because of X, Y, and Z. Some bullcrap reasoning. Should we talk about X, Y, and Z? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. We been, haven't posted anything in three months. I know. because of me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Did we record since? We recorded think... one episode, and it was right after Kentucky. And I That's edited right. the whole thing, and I tried uploading it right before my plane took off, and I thought that I got it off, but I didn't. And so when I landed in Houston for Chaz's wedding, this is back in September, ladies and gentlemen, two months ago, I thought it was uploaded. And by the, like, the next morning, I checked, and it actually wasn't uploaded. And I was like, well, I don't have time to upload this weekend. And then I didn't upload it the weekend, and then the next week rolled around, and the game, the next and game, we already happened. Yeah, exactly. And then there's I'm no like, point well, in releasing this whole podcast is, is is ruined because the next game already happened. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll record. And then me and Josh couldn't find a time to record. And then one thing led to another. We're two, three, four, you know. Then next thing you know, it's been two months. Is that? I know. We're at three months and three days. Three months and three days since the last Jeez. episode was released, August seventeenth. Well, I I will get this. The good thing is I don't have to get this re- released uh, probably up before, you know, as long as before FSU. So True. we're recording on 11-20-19, uh, so November 20th at 8 p.m. So we'll, that's the official timestamp. 
so we'll know how long it actually takes me to to upload. I'm gonna put your over under at about a week. Oh, over under about a week. So if I do it in like five days, what is that? That would that would be the under. Oh, no, I understand that, but what are you uh, taking? Are you taking? Oh, uh, you you want to? Uh, well, I mean, now that you know what I'm putting the odds at, I'm hoping you're gonna try to beat it. Well, of course I'm gonna try to beat it. All right. Well, you should write down what you actually believe it would be, and then okay. see if I actually hit it or not. Okay. I'll do that. All right. So we'll go through our brief synopsis of agenda before we talk about our personal lives the rest of the podcast um and when i say our personal lives our personal lives are college football and nfl and sports so uh that's what we love talking about yeah this time of the year i mean you can't you can't beat fall football no it's doesn't it make you wonder like what you do the rest of the year like when football's not happening like what do we do in the spring we traveled we we remember we saw we both worked a lot during the spring of last year, but then we also went to New York. We went to Nashville. Yeah, true. We, we did travel a little bit, and you didn't have to, you know, take time to go watch football games, even though we love doing that. It's just you, you enjoy the cities. So, um, and you do weird stuff, like during the day. You go do an NFL draft, or you actually do tourism stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but... Definitely enjoy this time of year. My favorite, even though it's sad. I mean, we only have two games left. The Gators, Gator football season, anyway. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I'm glad we missed not doing the podcast the past couple games, the past year. But I would have been really pissed if we would have beaten Georgia in our have a, are going to be an SEC championship, and I missed doing podcasts after each win and seeing where we were. Because I mean, this I'm not saying this season's kind of in the toilet, but it's tough to, like, when your expectations are to win the East, and when you don't win the East, it's just like, all right, well, you know, like, this isn't over with. That's kind of the point of it. Yeah. At, at, right now, that's why we'll get into college fo- football playoffs and even expand it, because, like, right now, every season, like, if you're not in the top five or six right now, you're, you're done. Like, you're you know, done. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, Josh, do you want to, we'll run through our agenda, and then we'll jump into it. Sure, yeah, we'll get started on a season recap for our 9-2 and two Gators, talk about our expectations for the last couple games, then we got FSU on the schedule, and then our bowl game in late December. Uh, we'll bring on our guest, Mr. Nick Fiana, talk about some pros and cons of the season, thoughts on Dan Mullen and the coaching staff, kind of our quarterback battle, Trap, Felipe, Emery Jones, talk about that a little bit. Then going forward, looking into next year, are we going to be a contender? for national championship, for SEC championship, get into a little bit of that. And then we'll just talk about college. Get on to you know, the current rankings, playoff expectations, and then kind of our, give some of our predictions for where we think the Gators will end up in a bowl game. Yeah. Get started with that, and then talk about Gator basketball. Uh, the fiasco that's been the first four games so far is Mike White on the hot seat. And then quickly transition to the NFL, where we'll give a recap of the season there, talk about our beloved Cowboys and Colts, talk about the hot teams and the AFC NFC, give a little two-roll prediction, and then some recent current events with Miles Garrett and Colin Kaepernick stories. A brief. Lots to cover. A lot to cover. 
right, let's try Alien for an hour and 20. An hour and 20. All right. Let's see it. Can we do it? That's tough. Especially when we bring on Nick, because we know he likes to talk. <laughs> All right. So for you listening, we'll see how many words Josh and I actually get in when he talks. So when, as soon as you say, we're bringing on Nick Siana, ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Uh, my over and under is 10 words each person. <laughs> the entire time? Yes. The entire That's like time. <laughs> but, I mean, no, no, I the man can Nick, talk. And, He's going to be, be very, good very good for this podcast, for everybody that's listening. Um, he has a lot of good insight, a lot of things, and has a different energy than uh, <laughs> Josh and I have, which is good that we, we, we do need that third person to come in and help spark some things up sometimes, because Josh can be a little dull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of... All right, Grant. You took me critiquing you being dull. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the most energetic person. I could, I could admit that. All right, one, Miami, Orlando. Yeah, there we go. A dub, baby. We were there in Orlando. We were there. Josh had a miserable night because that's the night you all found out. Yeah. R.I.P. (laughs) Andrew Luck. (laughs) Middle of the game. Middle, like, middle of the third quarter. Josh just looks at me and goes, Grant, Andrew Luck's retiring. And you sat down in the middle of the game. And just were like spaced out. You were you weren't even paying attention the rest of the game. I was out of it. Yeah, I was completely out of it the rest of the game. And did not focus he, at all. He he shed a tear, ladies and gentlemen. He shed a couple tears. I mean, we've talked about this before. I, I know probably more than NFL, and I'm I'm the opposite. So I don't know. It was equivalent of you basically losing Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask, and I don't know. True. It's hard or, to or, compare or, it. or compare it to when Tony Romo. Yeah, retired. A little, a little different though, because Tony it's was a, at least at the end of his career. Correct. It's a little different, but it's the closest thing I compared to. Because you're, right, I love the Florida Gators, but like, with pro sports, like I love the Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, but back. But to we won't talk much about that. That just gets me depressed. Yeah. So back yeah, to we got a twenty-four Miami twenty-four twenty victory in Orlando against Miami. Uh, it was an ugly game, from what I remember. Yeah, sloppy. A lot of turnovers. We did not look sharp overall, um, but we somehow came out with the victory. And I feel like that's how some of the games were to start off the first five or six games. Um, so, because then we, I mean, we kind of got a little bit together against UT Martin and then Kentucky. Yeah, you had a kind of a, yeah, Kentucky, September 14th, a night game in Lexington. We were together, but. You know, someone had to get married. Yeah, that was that was the weekend that Chaz, my friend's Chaz, he was actually our first guest in the show. He um, was. Yeah, he got married, and that weekend, and I was originally supposed to be in Kentucky, but um, with Josh, and that would have been a crazy game to be at because obviously, as you know, if you're listening to this, you must be some sort of a Gator fan or football NFL fan or some sort of sports fan and you know Felipe got hurt that was the game he got hurt and then honestly that that was the moment we saw the rise of Trask oh yeah that was the beginning of it I mean we were down 21 to 10 with Mm -hmm. five minutes to go in the third quarter and yeah that was the that was the start of what began like an incredible run from our new quarterback Kyle Trask and I don't think Either one of us could be more thrilled with, with how he's played so far. I 100% agree. 
I think you that that carried his momentum for to start his first game against Tennessee, and there was a that was also a sloppy game. Even the score was a little lopsided. It was still a sloppy game to start that game or to start off that first half. Um, I felt it was big for him to get his feet underneath him because honestly, our run game and we'll get more into a review of our season, but was not apparent in the whole season at all. Like especially against Tennessee, I thought that yeah. was a game that you would we we should establish run game pretty well. We just struggled that whole first half with that. So that really, but that really made Trask grow as a QB. Um, I felt like that game was right. crucial for him. Right, exactly. And, and Tennessee, I mean, they might not be as good as they have been in years past. Um, but, I mean, they still have talented players. So I think that was definitely a good learning experience for him. And then he had Towson, Towson the week after where kind of a brush-up game before our crucial four-game stretch of Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about that Auburn game, though? October 5th, homecoming, in the swamp. Is that the loudest you ever heard it? I w- it's a, it was either that or the LSU game last year. It's tough to say what was the loudest. I, I think this one was well, it was right there with it. Um, because there's a couple key moments that we got really Definitely. loud for. Would yeah, definitely one loudest? of the most electric environments that I think we've experienced in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Especially that, like, P- the P. Ryan run. That was awesome. Did you see that video that was oh, yeah. on the ground level? Of when Unbelievable. First... Unbelievable. Yeah. That was great. The, the whole stadium just exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that was another game, though. Like, it wasn't necessarily pretty, but we found a way to win. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily play all that well. I think Trask definitely had his fair share of mistakes that game. I, I remember there being a few fumbles. Um, the defense really carried us. Bo Nix really struggled on the road in his first big time test as a true freshman quarterback. Yeah, uh, but no, happy to escape that one with a win. I think that propelled us to number six, seven. I can't I remember the time. seven. Yeah. No, no, maybe even six. Mm, yeah, I think after that we were six. Because we were seven yeah. and we went to six at one point. Um, yeah, because we went to LSU, five, six, LSU. That's what it was. LSU yeah, five, we were six. Uh, no, we were seven, actually. Nope, we were seven. I'm looking at it right now. Seven? Yeah. We started the season, season at seven, right? We we started, no. Uh, I don't remember where we started the season at. I think we started at, like, I feel like we were preseason. We were definitely preseason top ten. We were top. We were eight preseason, or we were eight going into Miami, and then we jumped up to seven. On that, we just stayed at eight, went to seven, um, up until Auburn. Then when we lost to LSU, we dropped to. Um, I think no, we we went we jumped up to six somehow before we played Georgia. So we lost LSU, and then we beat South Carolina, and then we jumped to six after Georgia. So our highest ranking was six right before we fought Georgia, partially because you wanted that four Georgia ranking to be a little bit better. Right. But, um, uh, 
go ahead with that game. If you want to touch briefly on the LSU game in Baton Rouge, I, I mean, personally, I thought we played really well. I mean, our defense really struggled, but offensively, I don't think you could have asked for a better performance on the road in a really hostile environment. Yeah, I thought that was Kyle Trask's best game. Um, yeah, you, yeah, he had that interception. That was a rough throw at the end there. But, um, I mean, overall, I thought he played, like, given what he needed to do, like, we, how, he barely even ran for 70 yards worth. I don't even know. But we, you know, he had 300 yards on, in the air. And asking him to go into Death Valley on a night game is a lot. And he just, it did shot for shot. I would I would blame the game more on our coaching. Um, yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I mean, the score also doesn't really um, show like how close it was. It, the score was forty two twenty eight, but it was a one score game with, and we had the ball driving down the field, and then Trask unfortunately threw an interception. Yeah, I don't know if you have you seen the the clip of the play. Like Kyrie Cleveland was getting mauled on the right yeah. side of the field too. It was, it was a blatant, blatant holding was. interference call. And 100% was, and 100% was, yeah, that, that should never, that should have been called back, we should have the ball closer with, and I don't remember how much time was, 10 minutes, 8 minutes left in that game, um, yeah, I don't recall, exactly. they, they, right after that, they went down and scored, and that was the end of the game, really, going up by two, um, the, I, I still think the big momentum churner was when we were going shot for shot, it was 28-28, and we had the ball, um, because they did, we were 28-21, they then they scored, and then we had the ball end of the third quarter, driving again, and then Dan they just they, or no we weren't driving but we just started that series off with putting in Emory Jones and we went three and out, and that made yep. no sense to me because it killed momentum, killed everything. Then we turned to we had a punt and they took it down the field and scored again. So it was, we were kind of taking shot for shot with them, and a game like that you don't lose momentum by putting in someone that hasn't played at all this this game or really taking the command it's under center. Yeah, I think we'll talk about the quarterback. No, I 100% agree. I think we'll talk about the quarterback battle controversy in a little bit. But yeah, definitely have to question what the logic behind playing Emory this season. Mm-hmm. Get, get into that in a bit. Um, so after LSU game, we had a big uh, comeback win against South Carolina and just an ugly weather game. And we still mm-hmm. managed to put up, I think it was 38 points. Yeah, 38-27. We uh, come from behind. You know, South Carolina is a little bit upset because there was a couple bad calls, which I agree with, but there was a lot of missed calls in the first half, too, against us that, you know, go both ways. So, that pass interference is a big one, I think, that South Carolina fans were upset about. But, yeah, overall, I mean, it was a game I thought Trask still played Started a little, a little bit rough, but he kind of got his head on straight in the second half and um, kind of took command and realized, oh, we're just playing South Carolina. Yeah, I think a theme to this season so far is we beat the teams that we're supposed to. Um, and almost like pretty soundly, too. And I've heard this, many people talk about this before, but that's kind of one of Dan Mullen's major strengths, too, is you're going to beat the guys that you're supposed to, and then you might struggle with the LSUs and the Georgias and the Auburns. Yeah. Elite games where I think we're going to have to improve going forward in the, in the Dan Mullen era. I think that's what everybody says about his ceiling versus floor. Yeah. That was a lot of people's concerns is he'll bring your floor way up, so you're not going to feel like you're 
you're dropping 24s, but you're you're never your ceiling like you're never gonna be like growing like you never feel like okay I can get to that top like I'm like all right well this is where I'm stuck and so that's a lot of people said right. about him about Mississippi State was with what level of talent they're bringing in they're only suspected of this like even when they had Dak Prescott that year and they were ranked two they they still had one of their best talented most talented roster they've had and they still were only you know they they couldn't capitalize on his big games. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but I mean, it's it's also that's at Mississippi State and this is at Florida. I feel like there's two different... But I'm saying, I'm saying yes, now you're taking the step up and you're expected to win what we did this year. Like, what we did this year is exact replica of our floor and our ceiling. Georgia, LSU. You win those two games, you're in the, you're in the SEC championship guaranteed. If you take care of everything else, you win those two games, you're clearly in the SEC. Even if you throw in, like, a wild card of... Ole Miss or, you know, an Al, you know, whoever we play in the West and we happen to drop that game. But, like, if you, you know, those are the, the LSU and George are the teams, like, you've got to at least, like, beat once every two years. Like, you can't, you can't go, like, three or four years not and not be able to beat them because it's going to be, like, you know, that, like, even though we beat LSU last year, it didn't end up mattering and us in the grand right. scheme of things. So you're going to have to kind of, it has to be a combo. You have to be able to, like the, the time we did go to the, um, the SEC championships where we beat them both. Like back in three years ago, we we beat both of those teams. So. Right. No, for sure. And I guess now I'm hopping into that uh, November 2nd game against Georgia and Jacksonville. Still salty about it, to be honest. Uh, we, we could have won. We, I think we're just as good as them. They probably have more talented athletes, but I don't know. I, I just felt like we were so close to getting over that hurdle, and we just weren't able to overcome it. Yeah. I personally believe this was a huge coaching error in this game. I, I cannot – I've looked back at a lot of the like crucial momentum swingers that game, and – I look at it, it's all. I think it's all coaching. Like a lot of that was coaching that game. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I also think Georgia is just much more talented. I mean, they've recruited at a really high level over the past few years. I think we had to almost play a perfect game to beat them, whereas they can afford some of those mistakes just because they can make up with it with their five stars and four star talent. That we just we're just not quite there yet. Okay, so then you play that game ten times. How many do they win, and how many do we win? If you're basing it purely on talent, I no, think they probably that, win. If you play that neutral site for ten, ten straight games, you know, like whatever, you play that game ten games with the same same rosters. I think they win seven. We win three. Mm. You disagree? I say five and five. I just feel like I don't think their they're offensive a good team line. I don't think they're as good as they have been in the past, but their offensive line is great. They have an elite running back. They have a first round, probably NFL quarterback. Um, their receivers are not as good as they have been in years past, but they still probably have a top five defense in the country as well. So I don't think you can discount you really them. Think, you really think Fromm is, is that great of a QB? 
Me personally, no, I don't. I don't think he's going to be great at the next level. But looking at mock drafts already um, for the twenty twenty season, uh, a lot of them have him projected to be a mid to late first rounder. Yeah. Well, as frustrating as watching him against us, then watching him against you know um, who they play this last weekend, um, Auburn. He, Auburn str- yeah. he struggled. He struggled against Auburn. I felt like in ways that he did not against Florida, and. I don't want to get dive too much into this, but this is kind of something we'll talk about a little bit, is the coaching mistakes. I, I honestly felt like we did not adjust at halftime. I felt like Todd Grantham had kept the same game plan the whole game and didn't adjust. I I felt like his last season, his first season, I felt like against LSU when we um, – he brought so many unique blitzes into that game against LSU in 2018 – now it's something that note that I have not seen before in a coaching and uh, our a defensive coordinator that at Florida in a long time. I thought he played outstanding that game, and that's why I'm shocked that this year I have not seen those kind of. I've seen just more of a conservative play calling from him in both the Georgia and LSU game. And I felt yeah. like he he did not adjust his game plan at all in in either of those games to accommodate what was happening, and that's that's one thing that frustrated me. And you can look back at the game footage and say, oh, he, he made some slight movements and personnel adjustments here and then. Um, but I, just overall, the the um, the overall play calling was not at all, did not get adjusted. Um, and I think that's something that we could have taken from has always struggled when he's been pressured. And I felt like this year he held, or that game, he held back a lot on blitzing and kind of showing different coverages and kind of mocking things up like he's done in the past. No, I definitely agree. Um, I think we're not up to, like, we know a lot about football, but without watching the film, you can't really, I don't know, make kind of these assumptions about him making in-game adjustments. I mean, from watching in the stands, it didn't really look like he was doing much. Uh, we, we clearly weren't able to get any pressure on, on from the entire game. And I forget, I think they converted like 12 of 18 third downs or some ridiculous yeah. number. And I mean, honestly, those were the, that was the key of the game. Is we couldn't get off the field on third downs on defense. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't, I mean, we couldn't even convert third downs on offense either. Like we struggled. I think we were 0 for 8 going into the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, and another another crazy thing is just kind of how that game played out. I think we had seven possessions the entire game, which is, an extremely low number compared to most mm-hmm. games where I think you're averaging almost double that. So we just didn't, we didn't really have a chance to, I don't know, showcase our offense and it didn't, never really got going until the fourth quarter when we scored. Yeah. I, you can tell we're, both of us are still, still a little salty about it. Still upset, still not quite over it just because that was our season. Yeah. You win that. You win that, you're in the SEC championship and competing for a chance uh, to rematch against LSU or against Bama, and then you're playing for a shot to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I will say this: coming off that game, yes, we're all saw, we're all mad. All the fans are upset because it's kind of over. But I have liked what Dan did this year, unlike last year, was recover. I feel like he did a good yeah. job recovering the team, going into Vanderbilt, going into Missouri. Um, and especially Missouri where there have been like a monkey on our back and just doing what you need to do and winning those games and 
Now going to FSU next week, that's obviously a, a must win on our side. Oh yeah, and based on everything that we've seen so far, it should be we should give them a, a big whooping. That's what I'm really hoping for. It should be an easy win for us. But then again, I mean they've been playing well the past two games under their interim head coach. So I mean they're still a talented football team. I think under Taggart they were uh, really poorly coached, undisciplined, and maybe that's I haven't really been able to watch in the last couple of weeks. But it looks like that's changed a little bit. So I think it presents kind of a unique challenge. We probably don't have as many views of this coach's offense and defensive tendencies on tape. That presents a little bit of a, a tough challenge for Mullen and his coaching staff to get them ready to play. But with all, with all that said, I, I really think we should get an easy dub. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Uh, FSU is a team that is one of the, I think they're ranked one of the last in the, and FBS for uh, pass defense. And we are, I, I don't remember, we're in the top, I feel like, 20 in the country for pass offense. So I, I feel like that will be something that we got to just utilize, take advantage. Their offense has been putting up numbers, um, but I don't think they've played defense like ours yet this season because the ACC is very weak. I think this is the weakest oh, that yeah. the ACC has been in, I would honestly argue <laughs> ever in a long decades. Time. Yeah, I don't remember you can make that only, argument. I don't think they've ever not had two teams. And this is the first year that no other team outside Clemson is sniffing the top 25. And no one's even close to being ranked. Yeah, no the ACC else. championship is going to be Clemson versus Virginia Tech, who's lost four games or something like ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it just yeah, it, and I get people's frustrations like, oh well, Clemson playing in a bad conference and like they just kind of get a walk in the playoffs, which is true, they do, and it's it's frustrating yeah. because you have a team that's like Alabama, who yes, Tua's going to get hurt, Tua's hurt and all that stuff, but his brother, younger brother, I don't know if they're still going to be just as good, but they have a chance to be left out, and they've only lost one game, and you're going to take a Alabama team that's probably better than Clemson this year or could be better than Clemson this year and you know just because it's unfortunate with where you're at but it's the double-sided sword there you can argue for the undefeated team and everything or you can argue for possibly a better team yeah I mean that's tough I mean, we'll, we'll get, get more into, into playoff yeah in a bit yeah But yeah, I mean, that covers. Go ahead. I think we should kind of jump in. That's our kind of recap of the season for us. But more pros and cons of what we've seen, what we haven't. I think we want to bring on Nick for this talk now. Yeah, let's let's get him on. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. Nick Siano, welcome to Sports and Jorts. You are the seventh guest on this show. Top ten, baby. Let's go. (laughs) I totally pulled seven out of my ass. Top ten. Top ten. That's what UF does every day. (laughs) We told you he's bringing the energy, ladies and gentlemen. This guy's (laughs) coming prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. 
so when we have our guests on for the very first time, kind of a question I like to ask them. You're a big Gator fan. You have been your whole life. What is your favorite moment as a Gator football fan, both in the swamp and then just growing up in general? Um, in, in the swamp, I mean, I was going to say Ole Miss a couple years ago, but honestly, I think just growing up it, with, like, in the Tim Tebow era, like the national championship era, a lot of people now are, like, like a lot of people that we're friends with haven't seen Gator football, and it's, like, prime. I still think that that's where our prime was. I know some people haven't experienced those days, but definitely in the swamp, just that whole era, because I think, like, the swamp hasn't been that loud in so long, even with Auburn and Ole Miss in the last couple of years. Um, just game after game after game going in, just knowing that we had the chance to dominate. Um, that was awesome. Outside of the swamp, definitely LSU a couple years ago. Um, when we rolled in, stopped them on, like, what, the half-inch yard line or something. Um, the whole yeah. crew was there. That I mean, y'all were there. That, that was probably the best Lots thing we've done. That was just awesome because we were just dealing. We were just dealing with them all like day, like walking in the swamp. I mean, they were absolutely bonkers. And then I think we took that photo like literally like what, three minutes after the game, and like we're the only ones there. Um, yeah. Probably one of the wildest. Probably one of the wildest like out of out of the swamp experiences. But definitely in the swamp, just growing, growing up, just knowing that like we're gonna win. I don't know, and I know that's where like Dan's trying to bring it back, and he has that vision. Um, but that was cool. Just every weekend, knowing like we're gonna win. Don't worry about it, guys. Um, that was pretty Did you go to the games back in the 06 through 08 games? Yeah, we've been going to games, like, our whole lives. Like, we've had tickets. Toy and I always would, like, switch off who went to the games. But, yeah, we've been going literally since we were, like, two or one. I think Toy went to her first game at, like, one. I'm, I'm jealous. I don't know if I realized that. I knew you probably went to a couple of years, but I didn't know you were making the trek all the way back in those days in the, in the Tebow era. Yeah, the Swamp used to be, that's why, like, for Ole Miss and Auburn, like, I feel like I just get juiced, because I just remember those days, like, tearing FSU apart, like, 45 to 7 at night in the Swamp, and it's just, like, the energy is just unreal, which makes UF and, like, Gator football just so awesome. And Grant, sorry to segue here, but I I know this wasn't on the agenda, but I'm just kind of curious, since I didn't realize that Nick had all this experience in the Swamp. Going to the games back then, and then going to them as a student, do you think like the fans, student fans' perspective has like changed, or kind of like their role in the games has? Have you seen like a big change throughout the years? I yeah, and I don't know if it's because like as a kid you don't like fully understand it, like you're only used to sitting with like the alumni, and like to the alumni, data football is just everything because. I mean, we graduate, and, like, that's what we have, like, our last connection to the school, kind of. But, like, I think the whole idea of, like, like the rowdy reptiles aren't, like, a thing in football, like they are in basketball, but just the whole idea of, like, the student population coming into the swamp and just being a part of the game. And I think that's something that's been recognized more now than it was back then. I think it was before almost just, like, Stadium collectively had a big effort, but I think even now with Dan, like Dan will call out the student section and the fans in post game, and I think that wasn't something that used to be done. And it kind of gives it's given the students a lot more skin in the game with, um, and like kind of a more purpose of going to the game. And it, that's pretty cool because like having your head coach recognize like, hey, we want to beat Auburn without our fans. Yeah, 
straight up just says it in a post game. So yeah, I do kind of think that the students have more of a they're connecting more with the team than just the alumni. I feel like it did used to be more of just an alumni connection. Now it's like go on Instagram, go on social media. It's all student based. So for sure. Well, Nick, you, let me ask you this: Do you feel like that's just because you're you've been a student recently, and so you I, from yeah, perspective? I think. I think twofold. I think yes, like a lot of it. Like obviously, like I said, I grew up as, like in, on the alumni side, watching like my dad and all his friends and people. For them, it's a big. For them, it's so much more than the game, right? It's going up for the tailgate in the weekend and seeing people they don't see on their day to day. So I kind of always had it as that perspective, and then yeah, going to a student, it's weird your first game day when you just roll out of bed and there's people tailgating and you just kind of just walk over to the tailgate or walk over to the game. Um, so I think being a student did kind of, but I also think just like the emergence of social media, the emergence of giving people direct access to the team, to the coaches, to the players um, also kind of allows, cause they're our age. Like that's what's weird is you almost kind of forget that like you go and walk to class with them and it's like, Oh, what's up, guys? How you doing? Like, do you also fail that exam? Yeah. Okay. See you guys on Saturday. <laughs> like, um, but I think just a combination of yes, being on campus and being a student, but also just like I said, there's kids now that are like in high school, high school players that are interacting with um, kids only a couple years older than them at the elite level, and giving those guys an opportunity to connect directly with fans rather than just seeing them on ESPN. That makes them more human and more real. So I think that's been helping too. Good point. Cool. All right. We can get back on track here, but thanks for that, Nick. That was, that was good. And Grant, we are yeah, talking with really the king good. of social media. King of social yeah. media is big time over here. Big time Snapchat guy. I'm actually on Snapchat right now. So. <laughs> Shocker. I love Snapchat. <laughs> if you're on Snapchat, you guys, what's up? <laughs> Go on. Throw out your handle. I know you want to... Tell the people it's literally my name. It's literally just at Nick Fiata. <laughs> I think you can add me if you want. It's not hard. <laughs> Every day. Come hang out with me. I'll make sure I put it in our bio of this episode, Nick. <laughs> yeah. I love hanging out with people. I mean, I think social media is just so fun. Like, it's just interesting. You could, you could talk about, you could have a whole topic of conversation on social media on your podcast one day. I think it is going to be a whole thing. Like, I think it is going to be a whole thing because so many people ask about, like, why are you on social media all the time? So I think it will be. A couple of weeks, whenever I figure out how to make one. <laughs> all right. All right. Back to Gator football. Um, we did a little recap of the season earlier, but now I'm kind of just taking a look at the, the pros and cons. Grant, we'll start with you. One thing that uh, you thought was really good at the Gators this season and then one thing that didn't go so well. Uh, I liked how we recovered after Felipe's in Obviously, a lot of this is Trask, but the team could have easily given up in that Kentucky game when Trask came in, but I thought they all rallied behind him, and I thought that was really good. I think that's one of the pros that Mullen has. Is I don't think we're going to be, and we'll talk more about the QBs, but I don't think we're going to be at a loss with either them, any of them if they start at any point due to injuries or something like that. Um, but I thought that was a big pro, and then also... Uh, I thought that, kind of to Nick's point, I thought that the energy was was there a lot during the season, and it gave us hope. Like, we're hoping for, you know, to be in that national championship spotlight again, which I haven't felt in a long time. Like, it, it was a hope that we could actually be there in realistic 
views. And that's why I think we're a little bit frustrated that we didn't get there is because we actually felt like we could be there. And so I think that's a pro. But also on the flip side, the cons of it, one con I have is I, I honestly think the game, the George game we lost, I, I thought, and LSU, I thought there was a couple coaching calls that I'm a little bit, especially some play calls that Dan had and Grantham had that were very questionable, and I'm concerned about that, especially going into next year against big big games. Like you said, can they win those elite games? Because we have not. Yes, we won against Auburn this year. We won against LSU last year, but those are one-off games. It consistently win those games. I really do think Mullen is the guy, but I, there's some play calls that he, those games will come down to those type of play calls, and I just think that there are some questionable ones that he had there that really cost us some of the momentum in, of those games. So that's yeah, and I think it's our, Actually, our talent continues to increase, maybe that you can kind of get away with some of those different play calls, but right now we're yeah. just not there. We don't. Yeah, right we don't have the job. All right, yeah. actually, my biggest con, my biggest con, we could not run the freaking ball this year at we all. Can't, we, we can't move the ball if someone paid us to. I mean, I think our line just kind of dies in the middle of the game and just hopes for the best. They can pass yeah. very well. They, they're great at that. Stand still. Do I was going to say, that was, uh, yeah, uh, not to interrupt you, John. I feel like that was going to be my con. Is like, it's crazy that, I mean, our offense is just like night and day from last year, but somehow we can't figure out a way to move the ball. Like, we we have a quarterback finally that can kind of sit back. But, like, I mean, you can't have Travis dropping back every, I mean, we've seen it the last couple of weeks where people are just teeing up on him. And it's every drive, right? It's first down, second drive, third drive, third down. First and second down, we're making progress. And then third down, like, I mean, they just tee up on him. And it's a sack, what, every other drive at this point? Like, it's absolutely, it's crazy to me to see how Dan can come in and almost flip our offense 180. But the one thing we have had consistently through the two absolutely atrocious coaches we've had in the past is that we found a way to, like, run the ball. And we're weak up front. We're really, really weak. So that's going to be interesting to see play out. Yeah, offensive line was definitely my biggest con of the season. Uh, I've been extremely disappointed. I think going into the season, that was a big question mark for us, Grant. I think we both mentioned that on our uh, opening podcast before the season started. But we just haven't been able to establish a run game at all, which, like Nick just said, like we, that's been kind of the big part of the skater football the past 10 years. And I, I don't know if anyone else feels like this, so someone probably can yell at me, but I feel like they're not, they're not even fighting, right? Like, I feel like it's not like they're just getting beat time after time, and at least if it was like, okay, you got beat, go back and hit the next one. Like, go, I feel like it's just like, all right, we're, like, they're accepting that the run game isn't going to be there. Like, as an offensive line unit, they're not, like, play after play, you don't see them really fighting for that extra push or that extra yard, right? Like, they come off the ball, and they just know they're going to get beat, so it's like, okay, well, we'll throw on third and hope we don't kill our quarterback. And that's, like, kind of the frustrating thing and also confusing thing because I feel like that's not a Dan Mullen team, especially if you look at the team as a whole, they're a team that finds a way to win, but I feel like up front they're not. They're just finding a way to get by and letting everyone else kind of shoulder that burden. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of tough to maybe give that kind of generalization with that. I think when we're watching it in real time, uh, yeah, they're just getting beat play after play after play. Especially, I mean, yeah. the Missouri game, I thought we were just atrocious. He didn't pass block, too. 
we couldn't do it. I mean, I'm surprised we're, like Trask is still breathing at this point. Like, oh, shout out to you, homie, because it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we're losing a quarterback, yeah. so might as well tee up on him. Yeah, no, exactly. Nick, what's what's in your your pro? Um, I think just fine. I do think that you know this is the we had a really good season last year, and I think that coming out. And to Grant's point, yeah, we haven't consistently won the big games, but we did, you know, we did pull off Auburn. We were competitive with LSU. I mean, to look at where our offense has been the last, what, 10 years now, and if, if you would have told me we were in a shootout with, you know, LSU with the Heisman front runner at home at night in uh, Baton Rouge, like, I would have never believed that. So I think there is, like, so much potential there with what's going on that if we could establish a run game, um, get our guys up front a little stronger and a little tougher. Like I think it would could be a really lethal offense because I mean look at look at LSU right now. Like look at their defense and their offense and the fact that we I mean until what the last couple minutes we were in a shootout with them. Um, yeah, exactly. And just seeing Dan, both Dan and like the whole offensive staff finding ways to adjust. Right. Like yeah, we don't have a run game and yeah they can tee off on traps. I think any defense is important to play sipping back a couple brews every time they play us because it's like, well, don't worry, they'll get to third down and they can just tee up on them, right? But they're still finding ways to get mismatches and get our guys open. So we don't have a run game, and, you know, Trask is still not the most consistent passer, but, I mean, they're finding ways to win, right? And I think that goes back to Dan understand what it was like in Gainesville to win national championship and what it means to the alumni and he's instilling that in the team so that they do keep fighting and they keep finding ways to win even if they are not we're not always the better team right but we're finding a way to win and we're finding a way to overcome those difficulties so i think that's the most promising thing is taking the momentum from last year and coming back this year and hitting you know what we're not winning every game but we're right there and we're um we've only really lost to who like lsu okay like georgia top two teams in the country right now, Heisman front runner. So I think we had two big blemishes that people are focusing on. But if you look at the season as a whole, they're, they're a group of like, guys that are fighting and finding a way to win. And I think that all stems from Dan. But I do agree with Grant that he has been approached a couple times, and that's concerning. But, I mean, he grows, right? He's learning the game every day, too. Yeah, definitely good points there. Um, I'm going to say my biggest pro is Kyle Trask. Um, I don't yeah. think he's getting near enough credit as he deserves right now. I don't think we've seen this kind of quarterback play from a from a Gator quarterback probably since the Tito era. Right. I really think he's playing no, at no, that elite no, level. No, 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 no. Will Greer. What do you... But that was, what, three games, four games? And also, like, Will Greer didn't have a chance to... De- like, yeah, we saw... But we... We didn't see him. We didn't really get time to see him develop in our offense. Like I, I agree with Josh. I think Trask is someone who like was a breath, like obviously no one wants to see Felipe get hurt, but like it was a breath of fresh air and almost kind of like that you know kickstart to what our team needed to like kind of reinvigorate themselves and kind of rebrand themselves because it wasn't working. Like it wasn't working the way it was, and there was there had to be some kind of change. And I think he's really adapted to it. We have no offensive. Like we are one dimensional right now. Like it is all. Hundred like, percent. Imagine, 
imagine Felipe Franks having to carry us game after game after game. It would not happen. We would we would be having a much different conversation. Like the whole, the, I mean, FSU would be empty. We would be hoping to win it FSU. We would be so frustrated and more furious than we are right now. And that's just because Felipe. So I feel like Felipe doesn't understand the playbook. I mean, you saw even in the couple drives against Kentucky in the following game with like a week of prep, like the even the playbook opened up tenfold. You just saw it. The second Travis got into that game, we started calling stuff Mullen would have never let Felipe run. Because he can't figure out a read. He can't figure out it. Like, he's not fast. Let me ask you guys this. Why, why do you think Mullen went with Felipe to start the season over Trask? More athletic. Um, one, I, I mean, it sounds dumb, and I don't think anyone, I don't know if anyone else agrees with me on this, but after winning in Atlanta, I think it's hard to bench him, right? Like, he found a way to win. I think, one, it's hard to bench him, and two, I think he had the locker room. Like, I feel like overall, after, you know, finding a way to win like that against Michigan, like, he had the locker room, and it, that's what you got to go with as a coach. Even if you don't necessarily agree with him, I do agree with Grant. I think he's a little more athletic, and he fits into more of what Dan would consider himself as an offensive mind. Yeah, that's the only thing I really honestly think of is he kind of wants that running quarterback, even though Felipe is not necessarily like a, a true runner. He's definitely more athletic than, than Trask. And he can get you, you can, you can have those design quarterback runs that you necessarily probably can't really do with Trask. So that's like the only big thing that I can think of unless he just, unless he just really outperformed Trask in practice too. I don't, I mean, there's also, yeah, I feel like it's just night day. It, I mean, but you, like I said, I think I think he knew, like, Trask would understand. Again, it's like intelligence versus athleticism. Like, understanding, and I mean that as far as, like, understanding the playbook and understanding how to read different defenses based off what you've called already. So you're not always, you know, adjusting. It's like, okay, if this happens, then this, stuff like that. So, I don't okay. know. I just feel. So then that leads us to our topic about Trask versus Felipe versus Emory Jones for next year. That's gonna be lit. That whole comp- I would pay to go for that. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's an obvious choice. I agree. You, it's like very clear cut. Like we haven't had these passing numbers in many years. I mean, if you look at Kyle Trask's like efficiency and his statistics right now, he is just absolutely lighting it up week after week without a running game. No blocking and no blocking. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, 21 touchdowns on the season. I I want I feel like trash, but I kind of feel like Emery's going to pull it out. He doesn't throw a bad ball, and he has the run game that Mullen needs, and he's kind of, every time we've needed that little extra spark, he's thrown him in. I feel like, I mean, I think, like, as an outsider looking in, I would put, pick Trask, but if you're looking at like the eyes of Dan and what he kind of, where he kind of wants to take the offense, I feel like he's going to go with him. But I can, can we agree that it's not going to be Felipe though. If it's Felipe, I'm selling my season tickets. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I would be. If it, if you go back to Felipe, you are just. I mean, you don't. You're out of your mind. I would put my next paycheck on Trask. That's how confident I am with Trask. You're putting all one hundred dollars of your paycheck on Trask. 
<laughs> hey, don't spend all in one place now. What did you just say? <laughs> Josh, you want to split a McFlurry? <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did not hear what you said, so when I go back and listen to this... McFlurry, or, I think you can only afford a small frosty neck. <laughs> you think we get the fries to dip in them? 99 cent one. Dude, that looks like one fight. I'm too fat for that. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be shocked if it's anyone but Trap. I mean, Emery Jones, I, if it's him... I. I'm gonna, we better see great things from him, like better than what we're seeing right now, because I, I don't know how you don't go with Trask going into next year. I, I think I think you're asking I not to just beef up your O line up front and let Trask just swing it like he has been. Yeah. And like I said, if he doesn't have a freaking death wish, what what I'm shocked about our line is we have the most interesting line in college football. I think. And Josh, we started. We said this at the very beginning of the year because this was your concern from the start, and I didn't think it would be a concern. So now I'm eating my words, looking at it two or three months later. Is that we have seven? We have 14 guys on the roster. Half of them are upperclassmen. The other half are freshmen. And so we don't have like you know any sophomores that came through. There, like, I don't think we have one sophomore on the roster that is. Um, dressed for our O-line. And then um, next year, right, we'll lose a lot of, we lose, I think, about four, three or four seniors. And then we, we, we keep a couple, I think, two or three juniors that turn seniors. And they're all these freshmen will eventually be sophomores. So hopefully, you're right, Nick, that we can kind of grow with that. Um, yeah, I think we're going to play off that. We're going to see an influx of talent, but we're still going to be very inexperienced. So I feel like I think overall, we'll be better. Yeah, because I'm not really, like, I don't know. Someone mentioned this to me today, actually, and they were like, aren't you concerned about losing experience up front? But, like, what? honestly, at this point, what experience? Like, right, yeah, yeah, you may know where to block the guy, but that's useless if you're sitting there playing freaking thumb wars with the guy across the freaking line from you. <laughs> Like, it's all, I mean, it's I, think, I, think these, I mean, yeah, I think the freshmen are going to be, I mean, they'll have a year under their, the freshmen that are starting now, they'll have a year under their belt, and like, I think they'll be kind of, like, pissed off. Like, look what you could have done. And I, I don't think they're making mental mistakes either. I don't think we have to worry about them. Like, oh, they're not going to know where to go, right? Like, they're not making mental mistakes. They're just not tough enough right now to compete with Georgia and LSU. And, I mean, if we played Bama... You, like a couple weeks ago, we would have been steamrolled by them. Like they're just not competitive enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely the, big, the biggest question mark going to twenty twenty for me is the strength of our offensive line because I mean, it's crucial. You got to be able to run the ball. I feel like to really compete for the national championship and especially in the SEC too. Yeah, I'd say we I mean, we see we can't even win the SEC without being able to run the ball right now, and that's like single handedly what kept us from the SEC at this point. Georgia could tee up against us in Jackson. So. Back to the quarterbacks for a second. Let me ask you guys this question. If Trask is named the starter, can you see both Felipe and Emery transferring? I think we're going to see Felipe transfer before we even get that far. Emery, yeah, I could see him transferring. Like, I, w- I don't know for sure if he will, but I would not be surprised. But I think Emery's going to at least 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think. Finish <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying. Um, I, I think Emery's gonna stay through spring and like fight, and I just don't. I don't think Felipe's gonna come back. Like, I don't think he's even gonna go through that. I think it'll be faster than we think that he and he's transfers. And I think if Emery doesn't win, then we'll see it. But he'll at least stay through spring, and then that'll be freaking hilarious to watch what happens after that. Yeah, I kind of think a, a big thing of what we're doing now this season by playing Emery is just kind of trying to keep him involved, um, to keep him going, yeah. keep him preparing, to kind of give him some sort of experience to keep him engaged just so we kind of have a backup plan in case something happens to Trask and yeah. kind of looking forward in the future after Trask. Uh, I think Dan's trying to put that confidence in Emery that he's going to be that guy eventually. And someone proved me... Or- say otherwise if you agree but i feel like i like i feel like emory is literally getting just enough snaps to make it feel like he's you know not just the second string like i feel like he gets his scheduled amount of snaps and it's pre-planned and then that's it right like he i feel like he's never just going in on a whim unless it's like a fourth and one or something but yeah i feel like it's just enough to keep him from transferring at this point but there's talent there like he he doesn't throw a bad ball, and obviously he's a much better runner. Yeah, I mean he fits the prototypical Dan Mullen offense like a T. Like he he is that guy that can be a threat in the run game, but can also drop back and complete some passes too. But I feel like when you have so, such a dynamic player like Kyle Trask, I feel like you just can't go away from him at this point. And yeah, and honestly, like realistically, Dan is stuck to that mold, right? And other than Tebow, who I think is, you know, not the normal, I don't think it's really panned out for him in the long run, right? Like, I mean, Dak only took him so far at Mississippi State, and I don't think he's, you know, he might be learning as a coach too, right, not to be all in on that quote-unquote dual-threat quarterback thing, because I think, yeah, Kyle is dynamic enough to just pop off next year. Yeah, agreed. I mean, another thing I'm looking forward to is kind of how, if we do stick with tracks, which I'm praying that we do, is how kind of Dan adapts his offense in the offseason to kind of fit more of track strengths. I think that'll be really interesting because we'll have a full offseason to prepare. Maybe, I know he talked with Mike Leach um, last offseason. Uh, maybe talk to him again this, this offseason and kind of get some more pointers on the current trend, the four or five wide receiver sets spread football, uh, kind of getting away from the run game. I think that'll be really interesting to see how we adapt to that. Yeah, I think so too, especially considering like, you know, mid-season having to adjust and being still being able to be successful and creating mismatches and opportunities. I think it could be like scary if he has a whole offseason and a whole spring to really build an offense around Trask. But also, Trask has helped. I mean, right, he's already had one injury. We saw him go down. Obviously, he came back, but he did go back down this season. So, interest, just food for thought on that one, too, right? What's his longevity? Yeah. Nick, did you see your boy uh, Nick Sproles today? Iconic. What a stud. Yeah, yesterday or whatever. Yeah, I think it was announced yesterday. Yeah, he's, he's going to go somewhere and pop off for sure. It's gonna be awesome. You think he's gonna? You think he's gonna be good? 
Nick's smart, dude. Yeah, I think he's he's solid. He's really smart. He understands football, um, and he's just like a guy who's gonna find a way. And I mean, yeah, he's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, and for our listeners who don't know, Nick Sproles, the Gators' fourth string quarterback, was this Nick third quarterback. <laughs> oh, third right now. Yes, true, very true. <laughs> was this next quarterback at Winter Park High School in Orlando, Florida. Did you block for him? Yeah, for, what, a couple years? Nice. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was like, like the what? Same. The same. But, no, I think, he'll, I think he's a really good quarterback, just needs the opportunity, right? Like, and, I mean, he walked on, and he's, he's a walk-on creating news. That's pretty cool, right? How often does that happen? So, Imagine if he has a system around him, right? No, oh, yeah. I mean, we'll be rooting and for him. And Whenever he gets in the game, too, like, we text you right away. Your boy's in. Yeah, it's awesome when he gets in. It's cool. Um, and he's just an awesome guy. Like, you got to root for him. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where he, where he ends up and what can happen if, you know, there's a coach that buys in and builds a system around him. He's electric. It's gonna be fun. Cool, cool. With that, Nick, any any closing remarks on your first appearance on a podcast? Podcasting's fun. Once I learn, once I learn how to do this, I mean, just I think I might shut down podcasting for everyone. Is that, you don't have to follow like uh, what are the SEC rules on here, do you? It's gonna be. It's gonna be. A, I've already thought of some stuff to do. Do you have a but, name yet? You need a um, name. You need a podcast name. We have a couple, but apparently a couple of them might have like legal issues because, uh, you know, whatever. Allegedly, <laughs> um, I gotta try to figure out. <laughs> we definitely have a few ideas, um, and we know what we want to do. But I kind of it's just gonna be fun. So I gotta find out like a fun name or something. Just hang out with people and experience life. Traveling, like stuff like that, just funny, just everyday life, everyday banter. But I don't know how to make one, so <laughs> that's me bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fun. Um, I think we're gonna. I think I think you have football back. It's gonna be fun. It's just it's nice to you know go week by week and not dread who we're gonna play. So shout out to Danny Boy coming home. Bringing that Gator standard back. There we go. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. If you guys ever want to hang out, let me know. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you, Nick. Uh, yeah. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. Do I have to hang out? I'm about to just work. <laughs> I don't know. Grant, stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for you to play Grant stop recording. Wait, do you want me to actually stop recording? Well, Josh, that was a pleasure of having Nick on the line. Yeah, he's he's quite the character. Good conversation with him. Good to hear his input on certain Peter football topics. He yeah. killed it. Yeah, he did very well. And it was handsome guy, especially to start off, you know, him going to all his Gator games growing up. And being the alumni section is, I think, a perspective that we haven't seen from any of our 
any of our visitors on this um, No, I, I actually didn't even know that. I didn't realize he was going to the game yeah. growing up and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, but, all right, so I think we're at, like, an hour and ten minutes right now. We want to be under an hour and forty. So, <laughs> I think to get through the rest of this, when we haven't even finished college football up, I think what we should do is talk briefly about a couple things. And we'll dig more into NFL next week and kind of dive more into the college football playoff a little bit more next week about other teams. Um, I do want to ask you um, real quickly uh, before we close the college football playoff, who you think are the final four going to be? Who's in and who's not? I think the top three are going to stay the same. I think you're going to have LSU at one. I think they're going to beat Georgia in the SEC championship. I think Ohio State's going to remain undefeated. Um, I don't really see them. I think they do have some challenging games coming up. They have Penn State this weekend. They'll have Michigan, and they'll have the Big Ten championship. So definitely some tough games there, but still don't really see them losing because I think they're very talented. I think Justin Fields is the real deal. Uh, their coach is Jason Day is killing it. I think that's his name. Um, is that right, Jason Day? Does that sound right? Yeah. Besides the point, um, so I'd say they remain at two. Clemson, I think, is going to stay at three. I feel like they're, um, they don't really have anyone left to play. They haven't played anyone this whole year, but you can't discount the defending national champions. Um, and they're undefeated. Nothing really you can say about them there. I think the real question mark for everyone is going to be this four spot. Ryan Day. Ryan Day, I knew it was something day. And I think this this is a tough one for me. I think it's either going to be Alabama or the winner of the Pac-12 championship. So you're. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Oregon. You're gonna Oregon. Yeah, I don't love it. I think Alabama is probably the better team. But based on what the committee is going to say, I'm going to say Oregon sneaks in. Okay. So, if you were going to say a different team, I would have tried to screw with you. But I, for the most part, I agree with you on what the committee would see. I, I really wanted Minnesota. I was on the Minnesota hype train for a little bit after they beat Oregon the boat. Penn State. Uh, what did you say? Row the boat. Yes. I thought you said Coach O. I'm like, nope, wrong team, Josh. <laughs> no, I was on the, I was honestly on the Minnesota hype team. I put them in my top four, um, more of a, a reach top four. But I, I like them after that Penn State game. I still think they're a good team. But after watching Iowa, it just seemed like they couldn't get anything offensively. And they still have a chance to play Ohio State and kind of prove themselves. And you know, throw some madness in there. But you know, you're right. Well, you said Ohio State's. One of the obviously one of the top four teams in the country, so I don't see them losing, you know, to Penn State or to Michigan or to Minnesota. Um, I'm so gonna I, say this too. I, I think even if Ohio State loses one game, I think they'll sneak in. Okay, what about this? Say they lose in that pack or the Big Ten championship to Minnesota. Minnesota has one loss, Ohio State has one loss, however. Minnesota beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. It's, that's a 
such a tough it's choice. A reach, it's a reach. To, it's a questionable one, but it's something that could happen in college football. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. I feel like the committee definitely values recent victories over past season. So then do you then do you take Minnesota or do you leave both those teams out and pick up Alabama? Or do you pick up the Pac-12 or the Big 12 winner, like Oklahoma or Baylor? So No, this is why we just have to expand the playoffs. I think, <laughs> I have I think no the idea. way, yes, I agree with you. And I think the way that the college football playoff committee is seeing them, they are leaving the Big 12 in the burner, the back burner. The, leaving Oklahoma as a one-loss team at 9, Baylor as a one-loss team at 10, it's they're not they're trying to count them out. So I don't see them putting a Big Twelve team in there. Especially when you have Big Twelve teams playing Big Twelve teams the rest of the year. Yeah. So I, I don't I always forget how this works in the Big Twelve. So we potentially see a rematch between Oklahoma and Baylor? Yes. The if Big they 12 both went out they would be they would play each other. Because they're in opposite divisions. So it could like kind of similar thing with like with, you know, Florida, LSU, if Florida would have won Georgia, we could have played LSU again in the SEC championship. So, um, but back to my, the final four, I, I don't want to spend too much longer on this, but I agree Clemson's going to get in there 100%. LSU and Clemson are locks, no matter what happens, unless Clemson somehow loses to A&M-Arkansas in one of their final two games, and then the SEC championship. Um, so I think that's that. And then, so LSU, Clemson are locks. Even if LSU loses the SEC championship, they're still going to be in. Um, so they're locks in. If Georgia wins the SEC championship, they're in. If they lose, they're obviously out. Um, I'm going to say I agree with you, LSU will beat Georgia. So I'm going to say LSU lock, Clemson lock, Ohio State lock, I don't think – I think they're going to count. Right now they put Alabama ahead of Oregon, but I don't think that's long. I think they're going to – even if Alabama wins against Auburn, I think they're still going to keep Alabama at five because of the 2-0 loss and injury. Even though his brother is a talented prospect, you know, he's still a freshman. I don't think they're going to – I think they'll, if Oregon does win out, they'll put jump Oregon above Alabama because – I think Oregon will be well, playing. Well, Utah. his brother is not even a starter. Yeah, Chua's he is. brother is not a starter. He, yeah, he was. He sure? played uh, earlier this year. Yeah. No, that's Mac Jones. Earlier this Mac year, Jones is two. Two his brother came in. Yeah, he's a, he's not playing now. No, They're, I'm pretty sure they redshirted him. It's Mac Jones as the starter. Oh, well, there's another case for you. So, some white guy at backup QB. So, um, I don't know. I think it's – what about this? Do you, if Utah wins the Pac-12, do you put Utah jumping Alabama? I think it's a tougher case to make. I mean, yeah, one-loss team. I Personally, if both of the Pac-12 teams went out in the regular season, I feel like the winner of the Pac-12 championship between Oregon and Utah. If, if you would have told me – a one-loss Utah team would beat out a one-loss Alabama team, I would say you are crazy to get in the playoff. I would say you are on... You are cross-faded. <laughs> yeah. 
study of where we're at right now. I think the, the committee is really going to discount Alabama not playing the SEC championship and not yeah. having Tua. I, yeah, I agree with you. All right, so I think we're in agreement with that, with what we believe will happen, and it's these are the more likely scenarios. All right, well, let's jump off of that, college football. Let's briefly spend, I'm going to put a timer on, spend a minute talking about Gary basketball, and then about 10 minutes about NFL, and then we'll call it an episode. Sounds good to me. Uh, Gator basketball, haven't really had a chance to. I watched the first game, um, caught a little, little bit of the, the next few, but I, I feel like we're just not playing well right now. I mean, I'm not a huge basketball guy, so I can't really analyze it the way I do football. Um, but we can't shoot the three right now. I think we're shooting like 20 something percent, something ridiculous like that. I mean, with all this influx of talent with uh, Blackshear all the new freshmen coming in, we're just not putting it together right now. I'm not really sure what the issue is. I mean, still early in the season, so still plenty of time to get it. So fingers crossed, but I think you got to put Mike White on the hot seat if we don't turn it around soon. I'm in agreement with you on not putting him on yet, but he's on the watch, and if he doesn't turn this around, now he has to be, because we have the most talented class we've had since Billy Donovan's 2000 and... 2012 season coming in? Yeah. No, no, 2011 coming in, that recruiting class. Um, but we have a loss to U- uh, UConn? No. Lo- we lost, lost to FSU. UConn, yeah. yeah. And then FSU UConn. and UConn. Yes. And then so, ugly wins against North Florida and Towson. Correct. So I think the biggest thing is I've watched the majority of these games. I think the biggest thing is there's no cohesiveness in the team. We are playing very selfishly. I think Mike White is a smart coach with drawing up plays when he needs to. But I think getting a team going, and he's had the struggle the past couple years of roping your wins and kind of creating a cohesive unit always takes some time. And it's frustrating to watch because we rely too much on the three like we have in the past years because we didn't have the talent. Now we have the talent. And we, it feels like it feels like we've only done one practice together, and we have never never played before. So that's my concern. I don't say you put him on the hot seat yet, but it's something that you need to watch out for because we go from the number six ranked team preseason to not even the top ten in like less than a month. And I, I thought we aren't ranked right now. No, that's what I meant not ranked. Sorry. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, too, is we kind of play at a slow pace, which was maybe good for our team last year, but I feel like we're much more athletic this year, especially with the freshmen coming in. I feel like we should run oh, yeah. the floor a little bit. They're, they are very athletic, and there's been plays and moments where I'm just like, this team is, if they all play well together, they put, like, if Mike can get their full potential out of it, like, this team would be awesome. Because it's fun to watch them. They're up and down. They're fast breaks. They're, like, they're, very talented and they're very athletic and it's frustrating because they're i don't know half this team because of how many freshmen we have and like i, I know about the recruits coming in i knew about them but like i don't know anything about them in a gator uniform so it's fun watching it and it's and it's fun watching them go but um we'll see I, yes it has to be turned around so yeah definitely disappointing so far 
right. Um, last topic, NFL. Let's quickly uh, kind of – we got Mike White on the hot seat for basketball. Let's talk about coaches on the hot seat for NFL right now. Josh is um, – kind of hate to say it, but Jason Garrett's on the hot seat in my eyes for the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, you guys are six and four, playing good, but I feel like all of your wins have come against bad teams. Um, I would say majority, if not all of your losses, have come to good teams, which I guess is kind of consistent with how it's been for the past few years. Essentially, I, mean, I don't really call the Cowboys too close, but I feel like you guys should just never get over the hurdle of becoming an elite team and a world contender. I mean, the first year Dax Brett or Dax rookie year. I mean, we went thirteen and three and were the number one, number two seed um, yeah. in the bye, and then we lost to the Packers, obviously in the divisional round. So, and then last year we lost in the divisional round as well, um, just as a as winning the division. Um, so I think it's it's a it's I think NFC championship or bust unless he has like a close loss in the divisional round again i could see them maybe keeping him for another year but it's obvious if he doesn't make the playoffs he's canned if then from there it's kind of up to discretion of i don't know because some of these losses are inexcusable um i mean yeah we've every team we've beaten i think has below a 500 record maybe outside the eagles um so that's what uh, is frustrating. We win the games that, like you said, we were supposed to. And then it's also the Cowboys run game has been kind of non-existent for the most part this year. But Dak has been – I think Dak's been playing stellar. I would say this – he has blown everything I've ever said, talked about poorly about him. I want to take back. Recant. I am on the Dak. 100% think he's our franchise QB. 100% believe he should be paid what he wants to be paid. I believe that he is the guy. I am all aboard that. I know it's only been 10 games this season, but I am willing to do it for the rest of his career after watching him take over and play very wisely this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a big change of in thought process on your end since I think last year we were talking about this, where I don't think you had him as even close to being in that top 10 elite quarterback conversation. I think the way he's just played is like, yeah, he's 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 in running for the MVP right now. Um, yeah, no, he's he's playing incredible. He's on my fantasy team in one league too. He's killing it for me. Yeah, and he's he is basically led game. Like, there's I don't blame any of our losses on him. I don't blame anything on like. There's nothing that I could I could say the games we've lost have been frustrating, but he's played well. Um, there's a couple play calls. There's a couple things you can kind of nick him on for some stuff, but for the most part, like. He has been, for the most, I'd say overall, you can't blame the guy for a lot of those losses. So I don't. Yeah. Wanna, I know you don't watch too much Cowboys, but overall they're just struggling to get a running game. I think Jason Garrett's had some dumb head coaching calls, dumb. Um, you know they had not gotten the team in in ready shape. I think there's some personnel chain personnel issues that they've had. Um, our special team. Coach, I want him gone. Um, well, I could go into the depth of it all, but yeah, this is going to be a crucial 
stretch because we play, you know, obviously the Patriots, we play the Rams, and we play, I mean, heck, the Bills aren't even a bad team this year either. So, I mean, we, st- we have a couple, tough couple games to stretch here. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, the crucial stretch coming up. I mean, if you can show that you can compete with the Patriots, then, I mean, you can compete with anyone. And hopefully you'll continue to make that playoff run and win the NFC East, but it's going to be it's gonna be tough. It's not easy. Every game's hard to win. Correct. And, Josh, what do you think about the Colts? Are they going to be a playoff team this year? You know, they have a huge game tomorrow night against the Texans. Um both six and four teams. Uh, I think if the Colts win that game, I think they have a really good shot of winning the AFC South because um, they would have both head-to-head wins over the Texans, which would be huge. They'd be four zero in the division. Um, season as a whole, though, I mean, I guess I can't really complain. Uh, I think the only thing that really frustrates me and makes me a little bit disappointed is I feel like we'd be a Super Bowl contender with Andrew Luck back there. Uh, Jacoby's been fine. He's been serviceable, but he's not an elite quarterback. And I, I don't know if he'll, he'll ever get there he, right now, but he's fine because we have a good, talented team around him. We have a great, elite offensive line. We can run the football, and our defense is finally coming around. So, I mean, it, they're fun to watch. They have some really good wins. Beat the Chiefs, Texans, um, but then you also have those really embarrassing losses against the Steelers and Dolphins in back-to-back weeks. So I feel like we can we can compete with anyone. But at the same time, they can always just lay a thumper and and lose to um, the Redskins or like we did the Dolphins. Like you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and hopefully they'll continue I, I, to get better. I feel yeah, especially when the Cowboys lost the Jets. So yeah, no, it's not to compare, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you guys have a a very good, talented team overall. It's just that QB position is kind of something that makes or break a team at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean Jacoby's been fine. He's he's nothing. He's not going to go out there and win games for you. He's not going to go out there and lose games for you. He's going to be that steady, probably throw a couple of touchdowns, make some good throws, make some questionable throws. But it, yeah, from what I've seen so far, I don't think he's the guy that some people were hoping he was going to be. Yeah, but so I mean he's only played what is it, what has it been eight games, nine games. Mm-hmm. Uh, time will tell. So Josh, if the Cowboys and the Colts aren't the best teams in the NFC and AFC, respectively, then who are? I mean, if you're looking at the AFC, I think there's two teams that you can really narrow down as the clear-cut favorites right now. I think you've got to, unfortunately, say the Patriots. Um, offensively, they're pretty much awful right now, but their defense is elite. Uh, firing on all cylinders, getting pressure. Their secondary is incredible, and they have the greatest coach in NFL history back there. Uh, so they're 9-1. I think they're pretty much a shoe-in for the first round by. And then the Ravens, they've won six in a row. Lamar Jackson is playing at MVP level. He, I mean, he's just electric to watch. I feel like week after week we're seeing highlight plays from him. I feel like those are the two favorites at the AFC. And then looking at the NFC, it's, it's tough. NFC is strong. They're, they're very good. strong. Yeah, I mean, I think you can choose from anyone from the 49ers, Saints, Seahawks, Packers, Vikings. I feel like those are the, that's definitely the strength at the top. I mean, that's, what did I say, five teams right there, four teams? Yeah. Five. 
five teams with eight or more wins. Which is Vikings have eight wins. That's good. They're eight and three. That's a game the Cowboys should have won. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, Kirk Cousins is playing great football. Yeah, Cowboys should beat them and the Saints and the I don't know the Packers. Packers outplayed the Cowboys that game, but oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, it's been good ten weeks of uh, I guess it's been we're through week eleven, but ten games for most teams. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun stretch. All right, prediction. Super Bowl prediction. Or do you want to wait till next week to talk about that one? Yeah, let's wait till next week. We got time. We'll see how the games go this week. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to talk about any of the news that's circling through the NFL? Yeah. Or yeah, let's, right. let's touch on it for a little bit. Um, I am first. You want to talk about Miles Garrett briefly, and then we'll close on Kaepernick. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so Miles right. Garrett in the game last week uh, against the Steelers got into a little bit of altercation with Mason Rudolph, ripped off his helmet, and then tried to slam him on the head with it and made some sort of contact. Let me ask you this, Grant. You think the suspension, the indefinite suspension, was appropriate? Yes. I think so. Here's my take on it he could have killed him. Honestly, could have killed him. I don't care. I get that he was. I, whatever happened beforehand, yeah, whatever. I don't care if he punched him. I don't care if he kicked him in the balls. That's not an appropriate response. But taking taking a helmet that can, if he would have hit him square in the forehead of the temple, he would have killed him. Hundred percent could have. Yeah. Um, with how how hard he swung, it wasn't like he like tried tapping him or like you see players punch each other with. Which I don't get why players even punch each other with helmets on. That does not make sense to me. I'll always be bewildered with it. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to think, swing at their helmet, I, I don't get it. But um, yeah, I think he could have killed them. So I think that's a appropriate, swift response by the NFL. I thought they handled it very well. The NFL with immediately the next day coming out with you know suspensions and um, to appropriately. Yes, I think um, it was a pouncy um, that had a three game suspension, and I get that he was just defending him. But I mean, I thought they was justice. I thought everything overall was handled very well from the NFL. That was one of the few things I could say that NFL has handled very well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I will say this. I do think Miles Garrett deserves to play in the NFL again. I think from one of yeah. everything I've been reading, like he seems like a good person. Um, he lost his cool in a crucial moment, made a really bad decision, poor decision, but I feel like he deserves a second chance. Correct. I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're in agreement on this one. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I mean, I know apparently Mason Roth was trying to take his helmet off while on the ground. People have said his hand was stuck. The camera view is not great. And that could have obviously caused him to be a little bit frustrated. But, I mean, yeah, you lost your cool. Um, And I think that's the big thing. Like, I agree that he should be allowed back in the NFL because he is... A, what I agree with you. What I've heard, great, great guy community in the community, very well liked by his team and just members of the NFL. Chris, I think that's why it was a little, it was shocking overall to the NFL um, atmosphere to see that because I think a lot of people that know knew him were shocked by that. So, yeah, I mean, 
think we're. Well, I don't know if it's either shocked because there's been a couple times where he's lost his cool as well, but not to that degree. Yeah, no, for sure. We're, we're in agreement on this one, and so moving on to probably a topic where we don't necessarily agree. Um, and I am put. I am putting a timer on this. When that timer ends, don't put I a timer. Here, no, no, no. I'm putting a timer on this because I don't want to give this more time than it should. Because I, well, I want this is you, my view. I want you to understand the facts. I don't know if you Josh, understand the facts. Josh, Josh, Josh. Yeah. I saw what you're doing. I was stalking your Twitter. I watched you like through different things so you could pull it up in today's today's conversation and go through that whole. That whole tweet, that whole tweet uh, feed that that had like, the my ten Twitter. In a row. I wasn't even. I don't even have that one up. Josh, well, I just want to make sure that you have your facts in line. I I know. Th- my hand. Well, how about this? Let's go with this. I'm gonna go with what the facts are. You tell me if I'm wrong in the facts. Now I am not okay. looking at anything. This is off of what I've read from everyone on Twitter from th- both sides of it. Everything I've seen, and there's a lot of there's a lot of sides I've seen on Twitter about it. So in case okay. you don't know, people that don't know, what we're talking about our talk, we're talking about our favorite topic that we've talked about multiple times in the podcast. Maybe other, actually only one other time because I don't think he deserves more time than that. Colin Kaepernick. Yes, I think he is a talented person, player coming out of college. I thought he was talented in the few the brief moment he had, but he was benched. Before he started doing his protests, he was benched because he was not playing well. And then he was benched for a little bit. So then he, was, he hasn't been in the NFL for the past three years. I, don't, I won't say whether or not he was blackballed from the NFL or not. I think there's a little bit behind it that NFL teams don't want to... NFL teams are scared right now to even approach him because how much media circus it is. If you had a look at it, that's, that's what it is. If, if I'm the Cowboys, and just because the, this was a huge thing... The Cowboys were considering sending someone over there, and then it went out of crazy. And you have so much media cycle about the Cowboys want Colin Kaepernick next. And that's probably happened to every team, mainly just because I followed a bunch of Cowboys guys, insiders. So, um, yeah, everything you said so far, I agree with. It's yeah, very fair. So, I, I, I will say, I think there's a big media thing around the Colin Kaepernick. If he really does want to be in the NFL, he should get another, he should get a fair shot. So, to the NFL's point, the past couple of years, all he's wanted was another shot to be to showcase everything. So, back in February, he settled up on that undisclosed multi-million-dollar deal with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was handled. Do you remember that? I do. Yes. So that was handled. That was done. The NFL's like, all right, we, whatever we're wrongdoing, here's what we settled with. We're agreement. We're done with this conversation. It's done. You both agree with this. Do you agree with that statement, Josh? Done in what regard? Done in the fact that whatever case that Colin Kaepernick keeps having against the NFL of quote unquote slander dash backballing is is no more. That's the whole point of that settlement. Yes, in a sense, but I feel like he could so, still build a case going forward if he felt further blackballed and colluded. Okay, so then moving forward. Okay. So, um, I'm not going to say what each team has a right to bring in certain free agents. He's always been a free agent. 
I don't know right. if any team has specifically contacted him or not, and I think that's always been kind of kept hush-hush. If teams do want to judge him, they make it very, very low-key be, or because of how, how how much media they would have against it if they didn't if they brought him out here and they didn't bring him on. You know what I'm saying? So That is true, but we also do know for a fact that he has not been brought in by a team to complete a workout. There's chances there could have been discussions yes. internally, correct, could have been discussions correct. with yes, his agents, but he yes. has not been brought in for so, a workout with a team. So f- after discussion before, low-key discussions, the NFL said, you know, that they will they will help Colin Kaepernick do a showcase for team for NFL teams. And it was this past Saturday. So the NFL uh, gathers 25 teams to go up to Atlanta and to be a part so of just it. Back up, just to back up briefly, just how this whole thing came about. The NFL randomly, for whatever reason, decided that they wanted to host this workout for him um, so NFL teams could come and attend. And they it's, get not, it's not randomly. Happening. I would say maybe, maybe the timing, but they, Colin Kaepernick has always asked for this. So if you're saying if you're going to say that this is random, that's not at all true. I don't know if he asked the NFL to hold a workout for him. I, I mean, it's kind of unprecedented. Like I don't think he specifically went to the NFL and said, "Hey, do this for me." They kind of did it out of the blue, and then they gave him two hours to respond. Uh, that's not, that's, no. It, no, that has been confirmed by multiple sources. Yahoo, SI.com, Schefter, they gave him two hours to respond. So if you're Saturday, we're Yes, they announced, whenever they came out and announced it, it was like the Wednesday or something, or Thursday, I don't remember what day of the week no, it was. It was definitely, they, it was definitely, it was definitely Monday when they came out and said this. All right, could have been Monday. But um, they gave him two hours to respond. So if you're in his shoes, what do you do? You say if you yes. Say of no. Yeah. If you say no, you're basically forfeiting. Or you're saying basically, I don't want to play in the NFL game. I don't want to showcase my talents in front of the scouts. So I feel like he was kind of cornered there. He, I feel like he has to say yes. Well, what? What else? That's a. That's an obvious. I mean, what? What was it, another option, Josh? Let me think about this for another couple of days because I'm not sure if I actually want to do this or not. Well, maybe he doesn't want to. He wants to do it on his own terms. I don't know. I feel like there's just a lot of different details that go into it. But what what what, but what I, would his own terms be? He could have done this on his own. Like he basically what ended up happening was on his own terms at the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. But I don't. So, I think if he just said, "I'm holding a workout," I don't think teams would have said. Oh, let's fly down all of our scouts to come watch you play. Correct. So the NFL said, "We'll do this. We'll fly them out because they, they, you know, Josh, they're not going to just say, hey, after this talk with him, they're not going to just say, hey, NFL teams, we want you, you to do this. They, you know, they've had to have at least talks with NFL teams preliminary about this, so they're not blindsided by saying so you need to send representatives to get twenty-five teams, you know, on some of them on weekends before, like the day before games, stuff like that." The NFL has had to at least coordinate with NFL teams on interest in order to approach this. Yeah, that's fair. So, when you approach this, then by the, throughout the whole week, the, the NFL did say they would not give you official 
teams because there's been a lot of back and forth. They originally said yes, and then they said no. They would not tell them who's specifically coming. Do you agree with that? Yep, and there, I mean, there's a lot of other things that were kind of unclear um, going into the workout itself about whether it was able to be filmed or not. Um, also, they wouldn't tell him who his receivers were going to be, which is another thing. Or I feel like that's kind of important as well. And then I think the, the biggest yeah, yeah. thing is the waiver. Why, why, would, why would the... Re- okay, so the waiver here, we'll, we'll, get, we'll approach each subject one by one. Yeah. It's, it's a... The way the NFL phrased it is it is a um, it is basically a you know let me find I don't want to misinterpret any words here. It is basically as if it is a workout that the NFL is providing. NFL workouts, for example, i.e. an NFL combine, does not have media represent it, it's it's internal. That's the whole point of an NFL workout. No NFL workouts, even even if you look at practices, NFL practices are closed. You don't have media there. You have some on media days in certain times, but NFL all, all their events have always been closed internally. So you're talking about you're like talking that. about the media portion right now. Yes. So let me, so, let me so phrase it this way the, for you. Okay. So obviously, there's a lot of distrust between Kaepernick and the NFL. Clearly, both of them don't really like each other. Kaepernick has no reason to trust them. If this is a closed workout with no cameras, no, they did say it's going to be recorded. And a film, yeah, that and all, right. An uncut, right, but if you're Kaepernick, an uncut full version would be sent. I remember even the Cowboys saying, "We're not flying down. We will watch the whole video that they got." I don't believe, I mean, you can maybe try to find this for me out there, but I don't believe it ever said they were going to send the entire workout. They were going to send cuts of it. So if you're Kaepernick, how can you trust the NFL to choose his best throws, to choose stuff that really showcases? Here, here you go, here you go. From the statement from the NFL, they released from the NFL, NFL statement on Colin Kaepernick on the workout. Ready? This, mm-hmm. is, this is the NFL, stamped everything. It says, we confirmed that with calling representatives, they would receive both the video that would be sent to all 32 teams, as well as raw footage from the entire event, which is unprecedented in any NFL any NFL event. So, that was always stated from the get-go with them. The media was never stated, never brought up, because it's not something the NFL does. It's not something the NFL needs to worry about, because any any NFL, NFL event, you don't have that. So, well, here we go. Well, now let's tackle the third part, the waiver. The NFL sent a standard waiver. It's standard that they do all across when you're trying to get do anything. It's what the NFL players sign at the combines. It's what I've seen, what's his name? Um, t- when Tiki Barber was talking about this today, he, he brought up a point and he said, like, he said, it's a standard waiver that every college player will sign when they go in the combine. It's nothing abnormal. That's where you're getting back from. Okay, then tell me about the waiver then. It was completely different than the normal waiver that they would have for someone to come in on a workout. And Pro Football Talk has obtained both waivers. They've examined it. The guy Pro Football Talk, I think his name is Mike Florio. He's a lawyer. 
he said under no circumstances should Kaepernick have signed this waiver. Then there was also this guy, I think he's the head of the Georgia Bar, some sort of bar association, said under no circumstances do you sign this release. Does it basically eliminate um, his future collusion claims, basically? And there were two separate paragraphs that were specifically like added to the waiver, basically giving forfeiting Colin Kaepernick's right to pursue any further legal action against the NFL. Okay, so you're saying it's added versus a regular combine one because what statement from the NFL, specific NFL, and that's why I don't like grabbing anyone else. Is that NFL stated that they on Wednesday, several days before the event, they sent a liability waiver used at national invitational camps, at all NFL combines, and by all NFL clubs when trying out free agent players. It's that is a standard one. But that, that's not true because both waivers were obtained. And so you're saying they're not? It, no, this was not a standard waiver. Okay. So if it's not a standard waiver, he got it on Wednesday. Why did he wait till noon on Saturday to send it back to the NFL? Two hours before the workout. I believe they were in discussions all week about trying to reach no, some sort of NFL, agreement. NFL has stated that they have not seen that waiver come back to them until two hours before noon. It was noon on right, Saturday. I believe there were discussions between Kaepernick's agent and the NFL, either trying to come sort of, to come to some sort of an agreement on the waiver situation. But at that point, there was no chance in heck that he was signing that waiver. Um, so by 2 p.m., they didn't have an agreement. He's not going to participate in the workout with that waiver. So I, either way, the NFL, plan. either way, the waiver was all. From what I'm seeing, what I've read everywhere across the board, the NFL has stated they did not they did not receive it or see it the 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 waiver of what their terms were from Colin Kaepernick's camp until Saturday at 12, 12 noon. I don't believe that is true. I believe there were communication. I'm looking at three different sources right here that are all NFL representatives that state that. That said what? That he, they didn't receive a waiver back? But I believe there were... At noon today, Collins representative sent a completely rewritten and insufficient waiver that the NFL has not seen or has been discussed with at all with the Colin Kaepernick's attorneys. So that's that. And then the Colin Kaepernick also at the same time during this whole talk wanted to try to get Nike to be involved with this. Wanted, you know, then that same day he wanted... Um, the Saturday of it, he wanted to open it to media and all that sort of stuff. I think he really, at the end of the day, the waiver or no waiver, if you want to be in the NFL and if you really want to, you had 25 teams come down here and show up for this. You know, you're, you're having a whole personal, yes, your case is a little different than other people because of this quote-unquote collusion, which I'm not going to get into on its own. But because of that, you're, you are a different player with the eyes of everybody else. I get his point. He may want the media to be there so there's nothing tainted or anything else. I honestly believe the media taints it in a different picture. If you really want to be an NFL player and want to actually truly be NFL, you would have participated in the actual um, event. The in actual NFL. Right, but by participating in this workout, you have to sign the waiver that the NFL provided, which he was not willing to do. 
So how can you blame him if he really like? And, and like you said, we could talk about this different day, or we never talk about it about the collusion case that he has forth. But if he signs this waiver, he forth right basically to ever pursue any legal action in the future. So if you're him, so, you can't do so that. Let me let me see that. You can't sign the you're waiver. Saying- I'm not going to sign a waiver because I believe they're colluding when I have 25 NFL teams flying down here, which they wouldn't just send a representative out there for no willy-nilly just for this, the heck of it. I mean, there's a lot of different theories out there. There's people on both sides, but I don't know if I necessarily believe this, but there are some that saying that this whole thing was kind of a sham by the NFL to try to force him into signing this waiver. So he wouldn't have any legal action in the future. I'm not saying I believe that, but that is a thought that's been thrown out there by some people. And then that's that's total bogus because you and you're wasting your NFL the whole other 32 teams' time as well during the weeks of the week before games, all that other stuff. You're wasting their time all for a player because that's been kind of said. You know, he hasn't been. It hasn't. We haven't talked about him since February. So that's kind of bogus for me to ask and say anything about that. Now, NFL per, had personnel changes over the summer that could have had these conversations that brought up about giving Colin Kaepernick a chance. That was also on the other side of it, Josh. The NFL higher-ups had personnel changes. So you could say, well, those people wanted to actually give Colin a fair shot at this. And so they talked with the teams, and they were talking with them for a while, and this is just the timing of it all. And yes, maybe Colin Kaepernick got late notice, but they always know that beforehand he always wanted this shot. So it wasn't like letting Colin Kaepernick was coordinating with the other 32 teams. Yeah, I mean, the thing, my biggest problem with the whole thing is all of the details should have been ironed out before announcing the workout. They should have had a set waiver signed in place. They should have had a date, a time, the receivers bringing in, a decision on the media. Every, everything should have been decided before it was made into this whole fiasco. And I, I put all that blame on the NFL for just coming out and just saying we're holding this workout without even talking to Kaepernick first. That's my biggest problem with the whole thing. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It was not very well coordinated with the NFL to start off. But then again, the, the NFL's whole job is not to cater to Kaepernick and have him have the best possible, you know, open combine just for him. You know, it's <laughs> they have so much more to do than just that. Like, the, like if I'm working for NFL and I'm told, hey, make this work. If I'm an actual employee, that's what you have to think about yourself. If I'm an employee, Josh Laird, you're an employee of the NFL. You're told by your boss, hey, we're going to give Colin Cameron a shot. Schedule this up. This is when teams can do this. Make this work by this date. You know, I mean, come on. Like, you you have other things to worry about. You have other media stuff going on. You have other 32 teams that actually take care of. You have other actual other franchises to coordinate and work out with and work on composite. You have everything else going on. And yet you're told to drop everything for this Colin Kaepernick case, which has just been kind of ongoing. So to say that, oh, this should have been ironed out and clad deep, yes, it could have done, could have been coordinated out better with. But you also have to work around other 32 team schedules. Right, but, uh, but like, why now? Why week 11 of the NFL season on a random Saturday? Like, I just don't understand the NFL's sudden sense of urgency to make this thing happen. Like, that's, that's what I'm having a hard time understanding. 
this is like the first time the NFL has ever arranged a workout for a player. Like I, I just kind of question, I kind of question why the NFL was even doing this. And that's where I kind of think that their intentions might've been poor. I don't, I don't think there's any evidence either way to suggest that. I don't know if we'll ever know, but I just feel like the whole thing is a little bit fishy. Especially with the relationship that they've had in the past, and then all of a sudden the NFL wants to do something nice for him like that. It just it just seems odd. Okay, I see your point. It is a little odd that it was out more out of the, in our eyes. It was out of the blue. Now I don't know how it would, if it actually was like Colin Kaepernick may be saying, "Oh, it was two hours and all this other stuff." But honestly, Josh, we don't know what was actually behind the scenes with Eric Berry and all those other people on Colin Camp before this. We don't know what what other people have talked with the NFL in the past couple months. We don't know, like, yes, what we hear is one thing, but we actually don't we don't know every detail behind the scenes. We don't know the NFL's intentions. We don't know what Colin Kaepernick's intentions have been. You know, at the end of the day, you got the workout, and people said, if we're just focusing on the workout, yes, he still has his arm. Brett Favre could still throw that far and probably just as accurate though. You know, you Yeah, I mean I don't I can't really take anything from his workout. I mean he's he looks fine. He looks like I, I, I don't sure. know why I don't understand <clears throat> what I don't understand is what what was you know it gonna do to Colin Kaepernick, you know? Like what NFL teams are gonna now go and sign him because of that. I guess yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I if don't I'm, know it will go out there to do that anyways I, I don't that's my view of it why would i do that so i was shocked when i heard 25 teams are gonna go because in my eyes i don't think he's just looking at talent you haven't seen him play in three years he hasn't played anything in three years yes he may have been trying to stay in shape but there's a difference between you know trying to stay in personal shape versus nfl shape because you have zeke shape where he went down to cabo and trained every day, but he still looks slow in the NFL because he didn't train with the team, wasn't actually doing full pads, wasn't doing all that stuff. And that's why I think Zeke, on his side, kind of had a little bit of a, a slow slow step in it to start off this year. And so I think that's kind of translating over someone that hasn't done any of that in three years is going to obviously be a huge impact. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Throwing a football against the air is 100% different than to six foot five. 300 pounder running at you and, and full pad. Uh, yeah. You can't replicate that. And I don't think there's any denying that. I, I don't really take much from his workout at all, but I think based on his resume and his previous experience, I think he definitely has the talent to at least be a backup, maybe be a starter. I don't think you can argue otherwise. I don't really think like looking at some of the people that are starting games right now in the NFL, I don't really know with how with a straight face that you can say that you don't think Kaepernick is not more talented than him. I don't, Josh. I don't, you have no idea. He hasn't played in three years, and the last time you saw him playing, he played. Correct, but based we, on we his body about, of work, we, his body of work. The end. Of I know. His, we talked the about end of his. Yes, the end of his career, his quote unquote career, at as the 49ers, he was playing very poorly, so he was benched. Correct, but do you agree that he's probably in the top 64 quarterbacks? Yes, he's been out of the league for three years. 
dang it. Just lost. My headphones just died. Can you hear me? You're good. You're, you're good. good. You're good. Okay. Um, he's been, like let's, you said. Let's he's, wrap he's, it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. I, I feel like, long story short, uh, if you're getting my opinion, if he's going to get signed, I would say no. I think there's too many things that need to happen on a team and need to be in place on specific teams for for it to happen. I think, one, you need an owner that is willing to take on the risk of losing some fans. Um, you also need an owner that's probably more in tuned with issues that he's trying to promote. Two, I think you need a head coach and a GM that are both on board um, with him on a personnel standpoint and that he probably has the talent to still be in the NFL. And then thirdly, I feel like you need a strong locker room like to be able to support the incoming media circus because I think that's destined to happen if he's signed. I and agree I, with all those points. I, I agree with all of that. I don't know if there's a team out there right now that meets all three of those. The only one I could think of is maybe the Panthers. It's the only one that kind of jumped out at me. Hmm. Interesting. I hope my boy Will, Will Greer gets a shot at there. but yeah, He might next week. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well... That one longer than expected. Yes, this is like a two-hour podcast. Oh, well, Well, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a rant by Josh Lair and Grant Madato on that last triad there. So we appreciate you listening in for all two hours, if you did. Uh, Josh will give you a personal gift if you happen to listen to all this. Um, he will give you free Coca-Cola for a year. Sounds good. Yes. If you uh, text me, if you're still listening at this point, and you text me that Grant sucks, I'll give you a present. No, someone could text you that randomly. I could see Ox texting you that. Randomly? I don't know. Uh, yeah, true. Randomly, I don't know. So there's, the, there's the Easter egg of this episode. This is Sports and Jorts. That was a long one. That was good, though. That was fun. It was. I think my roommate's home, and he heard me talking, and he said to give him a a shout-out. Shout-out, Zach. Ole Miss sucks. (laughs) All right. Good podcast. Josh, we'll close with the theme song to I don't know what what's the it's a good you know what show I've been into Mr. Robot we're gonna close the the intro to Mr. Robot Mr. Robot I gotta watch that I heard it's pretty good it's awesome it's one of my favorite shows right now but all right ladies and gentlemen it's almost Thanksgiving we'll we'll talk before then. Hopefully we'll release before then. Adios. Until next time.
It's my heart that's breaking 